welcome to the Bonus Action Podcast. In this show, we explore the rules of 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons one rule at a time in short 15-minute episodes. I'm your host, James Injercasso, and I'm here with D&D expert and RPG muser, Sam Dillon. Hello there. Hey, Sam. We'd like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, NobleKnight.com. They're a brick-and-mortar game store that also exists online. They specialize in providing out-of-print products at a discounted price and buy those old gaming products you aren't using anymore. Let's hear a quick word from them. Rudy, I have a big problem. I can't find a place to buy or sell gaming products. You know, I had that problem, too. Then I went to my DM. He told me about NobleKnight.com. Isn't that one of those internet stores? They are, but they're also a brick-and-mortar game store. Since using Noble Knight, I feel great! I can buy D&D and other tabletop RPG products from any edition, even stuff that's out of print. That does sound pretty great. Just pretty great! Get this, Noble Knight has all that, at a discounted price. And with Noble Knight, I can even sell them my old gaming products I'm not using anymore. Oh, wow. I've got to check it out. You don't have to ask your DM if NobleKnight.com is right for you. We're pretty sure it is, since you're listening to a podcast about the minutiae of tabletop RPGs. People who use NobleKnight.com experience joy, having more money in their bank accounts, and lots of awesome gaming sessions. Seriously, why haven't you checked them out yet? Jeff Greiner uses NobleKnight, so should you. Well, my life has changed. It sure is, buddy. Soon, all our lives will be changed. In this episode, we're discussing the initiative mechanic in D&D. You can find an explanation of this rule in the player's basic rule PDF on page 69, or in the player's handbook on page 189. Now, in a nutshell, initiative determines the order of combat. When combat starts, every participant makes a dexterity check. The DM then ranks the participants in the order of the highest check to the lowest check. The participants then proceed to take their turns in combat in this order, which is called the initiative order. Now, there are some special cases, because sometimes you will have a tie. Now, if the tie is between two creatures run by the DM, then obviously the DM just gets to decide who goes first. If the tie is between two players, then, well, the players get to choose who goes first. And if the tie is between a creature and a player character, then actually, sorry players, the DM gets to decide who goes first. An option is that the creatures who tied can roll a d20 and the higher roll goes first. That's if you don't ever want to have to make a decision. It's quick and simple. Now, if you control a mount, it acts on the same initiative as you, provided the mount is a domesticated animal like a horse. If it's an intelligent mount like a dragon or one you can't control like a wild crocodile, then it has its own turn in the initiative order. Now, some classes have special abilities that will uh, influence initiative. For example, the Thief archetype for the Rogue class grants a special ability at level 17, way, way up there in the higher levels. It's called Thieves' Reflexes, and it allows the Rogue to take two turns during the first round of combat. They take one in their normal place in initiative order, and they would take the one in their normal place minus 10. So they get to go twice, two whole turns. Not an extra action, two whole turns. Now, there are also some feats that can help you get a bonus to initiative. Right now, the big one that can do that is the alert feat, which, among other things, gives a PC a plus five bonus to initiative checks. 
And certain creatures, like, for example, the adult uh, or ancient dragons, beholders, krakens, other sort of monsters that we might consider the, quote, boss monsters, they have the ability to take legendary actions. Now, these creatures have a certain number of legendary actions that they can use per round in initiative, which allow them to act at the end of another creature's turn in initiative order. So these actions are usually limited, one attack or one move, but sometimes they're special. For example, Tiamat's Breath Weapons, which can only happen as legendary actions. Note that these legendary actions do not actually change the creature's turn in the actual initiative order. They just allow it to act on turns other than its own initiative order turn. Now, of course, there are also some variant rules for initiative, which you can find on page 270 and 271 of the Dungeon Master's Guide. Uh, The first one is a way to speed up combat just a little bit, uh, and instead of players rolling a dexterity check, they have what's called an initiative score. So instead of rolling for initiative, each character has a static score, which is their dexterity bonus plus 10. This variant speeds up play a bit, but combat becomes predictable as PCs always act in the same order and the randomness of the die roll is lost. It's kind of like putting the passive ability check onto your initiative. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's the passive initiative yeah. score. <laughs> I personally don't like the idea, but, you know, it's it's a, it's a variant to, to present, I guess. Um, a second variant is called Side Initiative, and it calls for players to roll a d20 as a group, and then the DM rolls a d20 to represent the group of creatures, and then uh, neither side gets any modifiers, so, you, you, you know, you don't, like, pick your guy with the highest decks to roll and get his bonus or something. You just do straight d20 rolls. Whoever rolls the highest, that side goes first. So when it's a side's turn, then the members of of the group on that side, so all the creatures or all the PCs, they will choose their own order. Like within that group, they all get to go, and the players decide who goes first, who goes second, etc., etc. Now, once everyone on a side has taken their turn, then the other side goes. And then the round ends when uh, everyone has completed their entire turns. This variant can even work with more than two sides, so it kind of could speed things up if there's a whole bunch of different groups or factions. Um, It does make life easier for the DM, but it has a downside, and the downside is that whoever wins initiative can easily gang up on the side that loses initiative. And if you really were that uh, sort of... You made a PC that really, really has the high decks, and you've been pounding on that, and you have a lot of powers that require you to 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 uh, get a high initiative score. Well, that could be good. It could be bad. If your whole side doesn't win initiative, you lose all of your abilities that would occur if you if your group had won initiative. On the other hand, if you have those things and your side wins initiative, hey, you can all just decide you're going to be the guy that goes first. So it has drawbacks, but it has some advantages, too. And, you know, one of my favorite variants is actually a little more complex. It's the speed factor variant. And that's for tables or groups that find a regular progression of initiative is too predictable or too prone to abuse. And you can find that initiative is prone to abuse because players could use their knowledge of the initiative order to influence their actions. For instance, a wounded fighter who is close to death might actually charge into battle knowing that the cleric acts on the turn right Right after them and can heal them so they have no fear. 
So under the speed factor variant, creatures roll initiative at the start of each round of combat, thus changing the initiative order from round to round. Before you roll initiative for the round, each creature must choose an action that they will perform on their turn. Creatures are then given a modifier to add to their initiative roll beyond dexterity. So things like the creature's size, the action that you have chosen, the level of the spell that's being cast, for instance, or the type of weapon you're attacking with are all factored into the roll. So on its turn, a creature can move as normal, but you have to take the action that you selected when you rolled initiative at the start of the round, or you take no action at all. The speed factor variant is pretty complex and is going to bog down play, but it does prevent abuse and predictability at the table of the initiative order. So if you're having problems with that, maybe check out the speed factor variant for some of your battles. I would recommend trying it with a less complicated battle at first. (laughs) That's quite like second edition. You know, second edition had that whole declaring actions thing built into the system. So everyone always declared that way you knew what kind of speed factor to determine and this is this I think they're pulling right from that and a lot of tables really enjoyed that and it does bog down but once you get used to it you know you just keep going you know how what the speed factor for your hammer is you know what the speed factor for that spell you're going to cast you know so it does go faster with with experience of course just like every other part of the game and that's actually kind of why it's my favorite variant i think the other variants are great for speeding up play mm-hmm. but i do think that this variant actually makes play more interesting which is something that i like to see you know and and it turns uh you know you can't quite count on that healing spell if the cleric has declared that they're going to attack Right. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So speaking of playing with things at the table, you know, there is something about initiative that we haven't really talked about yet and that really isn't addressed in the player's handbook or in the DMG. And that is something that is a, a, a relatively popular house rule that you find at lots of different game tables. And it's the option to delay. And when a creature delays, basically they're choosing to not take their action at their particular place in initiative order. Instead, they can wait until later in the round or earlier in the next round to take their action. So the creature jumps in between the the other creatures. They wait, you know, if they were supposed to go first, they might delay so that they can go after the thief but before the cleric. Mm -hmm. And once the delaying creature finally acts in its turn in the initiative order, its turn is changed. The future rounds, uh, when it acts, it must continue to act between the two creatures it waited to act between. Now, all that sounds very complicated, but basically we're saying the delay house rule works as you tell the DM you're going to delay until a certain point in the initiative order. When that point comes, it is now your turn, and that is your turn in the initiative order from this point forward in combat, unless you delay again. And uh, that might sound an awful lot like what's called the ready action in 5th edition, which it is very similar, but it has some differences, and we're actually going to not discuss that this episode. We're going to tap on that one next episode. So there's your little teaser. (laughs) Exactly. Get ready, people. Get ready. (laughs) You know, Sam, overall, initiative is a classic D&D rule which adjudicates the order of combat. You can even use initiative roles in other scenarios like chase sequences or in exploration or large social interactions. Initiative makes sure that every creature and every PC gets a fair shake. Because of its simplicity, it's an easily customizable rule. 
and that's probably why it's been a part of D&D for a long time. It's simple, but it keeps things going, and it makes sure that everybody gets a chance. That's that's an excellent point. And I think that's about it. So we really hope that you've enjoyed this short rule discussion. If you like the show, I encourage you, as always, to visit thetomeshow.com and use our affiliate links for Amazon.com and dndclassics.com and noblenight.com and support the show while you shop. It does not cost you anything extra, but it does throw a few copper pieces into the Tome Show's belt pouch so that we can continue to stay on the air. I'd like to send a special shout-out to our listener, Jeff Jones. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your support. And if you have any suggestions, corrections, or comments, feel free to leave us a comment at thetomeshow.com or email thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can also call the Tome Show's biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. Sam, where can listeners find you? Well, as always, you can find me on Twitter at DM Samuel, or you can go visit rpgmusings.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at James Intracasso or follow my blog at worldbuilderblog.me. 